212, yeah, yeah, hey, hey. Get up with Herbie and Dane. Get the catch-up at hit.com.au or download the hit app. This is The Catch-Up on the Riverina's Hit 93.1. We are getting around the Are You OK AFL football round this weekend. And from AFL Riverina, it is the Football Operations Coordinator. Tommy Walker joins me. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Now, Tommy, let us know, what is AFL Riverina doing with the Are You OK round? So we have what's called a mental health round this weekend. We have Are You OK as well as Riverina Bluebell promoting mental health in in our uh, local competitions. So the Riverina Football League as well as the Farrah Football League, our senior teams. So in the first grade men's, we'll have the home teams wearing, the runners will be wearing yellow shirts. The players will be yelling, wearing yellow armbands. The away team will be wearing Riverina Bluebell shirts for the runners, as well as purple tape. And obviously our A-grade Nepal, important part of our uh, football and Nepal community, our A-grade team coaches or team managers will be wearing the same kind of um, shirts and the yellow armbands as well. It is incredible that you guys are getting around such an amazing cause because we want to break the stigma around mental health but this isn't about raising money it is about raising awareness yeah it's as simple as gesture is wearing yellow armbands and, and purple armbands it, it might prompt someone in the crowd to to have a discussion around what this round is all about and people obviously know people in their lives that it could be affected by mental health or have been affected by mental health so it's important that we spread that message uh, to the local community and with you working with afl riverina for you said eight years off air how have you seen the stigma around mental health and blokes in AFL actually speaking up? Well, I think it's breaking down as well as just in society. Um, I think that to see um, not just footballs, but netballs as well who have issues come forward to their teammates and their friends. You know, football clubs are so important to people's lives that it's really important that they feel they're in an environment where they're able to share themselves and if they're having a a tough time that they can come forward and and the football clubs can help them. And, And we see that all the time around our local competitions. And so if people want any more information about this weekend's AFL round, any of the football leagues or the netball leagues, where can they go? Um, so you go to the AFL Riverina website to at www.aprilriverina.com.au and we'll have an article there um, just explaining what this mental health round is all about. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us this morning and good luck for this weekend. Thank you. Herbie and Dane. The Riverinas hit 93.1. It is AFL's Are You OK round this weekend and right now former Carlton football player and founder of the Outside of the Locker Room Foundation, Jake Edwards joins me. Good morning. Good morning, Herbie. Thanks for having me. Jake, for those who don't know, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your journey to AFL? So football's been a big part of my life. I always say that if I was to give blood tomorrow, there'd be a little footage floating around. <laughs> um, growing up in a small little country area in Victoria, and I was the fifth player in my family to get the opportunity to play AFL football. So uh, I was drafted the Carlton Football Club in 2005, uh, pick 36, and I guess that's where it all kicked off for me, you know, living a dream. Um, the first couple of years in my career, things were going along really well um, until I started experiencing symptomatic issues with, with depression. And so you played games in the VFL and then you made your debut in the AFL in 2008. Unfortunately, yep. you were delisted at the end of 2009. And I know mm. for yourself, you said footy is in your blood and I've got four brothers. I know that for them at one stage in their life, they thought footy was their life. How did it feel when your world sort of came to an end or what you thought your world was when you were delisted? 
for me, and it was devastating. As you mentioned, not only was I delisted in a way, I, Carlton actually offered me another year contract, but with what I was going through leading up to my last year with my mental health challenge, I was diagnosed at the end of 2008 with uh, depression and my last year just battling that ongoing uh, issue with it. it. I felt like a new football club would give me uh, a good new lease on life and I thought a new environment, new challenge might be what I needed. And I kindly uh, declined the offer from Carlton to stay on and I went to another AFL club and trained, did a pre-season there and I guess I was promised a world given an atlas. Things got really tough off the back of that. I, I and you get caught out the draft as I thought it would be and so the trauma of guess going through that experience as well was, was quite tough and not only that but also the you know I felt like I let my family down um, you know with my great grandfather my grandfather my father my cousin all playing well over 100 games in premierships it was very difficult for me to come to terms with the fact that I, I kind of felt like I'd failed and let the last name down uh, in my family so that transition into life was extremely difficult I think a lot of athletes talk about it it's not about complaining about the opportunities we had it's more the routine and structure that we lose and the camaraderie and that mateship that we have as part of sporting clubs it was something that you know flick of a switch it was it was gone I didn't have any of that anymore so I was kind of left to my own devices quite abruptly and, and that was a, a challenge and to combine that with the illness I allowed it really to kick in and take control of myself as a person. And so it did get to a pretty dark place can you go into yeah. a bit of details for us? Yeah so as once again post that transition period into finding I guess a bit of a routine outside of football I used alcohol and, and drug abuse to um, to cope and allowed me to kind of escape the reality of, of what I thought was pain and conflict with what, what I was doing and where I was at. That led me down a four-year post my career of abuse of those substances and unfortunately it, it led me to a moment in my life where I pushed friends away and family and I was hanging out some pretty bad people and it just kind of reflected myself to look at life as, you know, that I, I shouldn't be here anymore and it'd be easy for everyone to move on. I'm just nothing but a burden and fortunately I allowed myself to get to a point where my mindset really bought into the, the suicide ideation of myself not being here and one morning I come home after a, a alcohol and, and drug fueled weekend and uh, I attempted my own life um, one morning in, in my bathroom and I remember immediately straight after the attempt just having this overwhelming regret of the decision that I just made and um, I thought that my family could have moved on and that and, but just instantaneously I just kind of had this real regret of the decision that I just made and I was fortunate enough to have a phone call with my father at the time and he kept me on the phone and mum and dad came in from the farm and picked me up and took me home for a few days before they put me into see a psychologist. Her name was Dr. Maddie Clements, who's someone I've worked with during my AFL career. Um, and she now heads up the AIS with their wellbeing program as a director. And um, she basically saved my life. She got me into a program working with proper psychiatry and drug and alcohol support. And that, that really helped me turn my life around and learn more and better educate myself through uh, mental health and also substance abuse. And you definitely have turned your life around. You said you've educated yourself, but more so, I believe, you're educating others now because you created Outside the Locker Room. Why did you do mm. that? Oh, look, it, it kind of happened all really quickly. I, I kind of went through the process of getting myself right and getting my mindset right and looking forward from there What the question was asked, you know, what do you want to do the rest of your life? And that's a pretty big question to ask someone off the back of what I'd gone through. And I sat down with some people that I trusted at the time and we spoke about a few things and I did some research. This is only five years ago 
ago now that I realised just how big a challenge mental health on my journey was actually the reality of it in our society. And having grown up around sport my whole life, the connection was pretty obvious. And I thought that if I could get out and share a story and maybe do something a little bit more of a point of difference where rather than just coming out and talking about it, maybe I can offer something a bit more sustainable with a program that actually offers support with, through education. But more importantly, we can offer a platform for players and families to actually utilise a resource that they can get in contact with someone and actually talk through their challenges and issues earlier before getting to a point where obviously I had to endure through my life. So our locker room is a byproduct, I guess, of my lived experience. But coming through the industry, as I learned it pretty quickly early on, I realised there was a real niche in the market where uh, there was nothing specific that was talking to community sport. And I think that's where our stories through the program helps humanise mental health. And we're very relatable. So all our ambassadors and people are community leaders who put their hand up and identify in themselves and share their story. And we have counsellors and welfare teams that support our program delivery. Um, so we know there's a clinical element, but also a real important humanising element to our program. So it's just kind of grown year on after, Herbie. It's uh, the first year we worked with about 15 sporting clubs across country Victoria. And over the last couple of years now, we're pushing nearly 230-odd sporting clubs now around Australia that we've actually worked with and we've supported over you know hundreds and hundreds of different individuals and their families with with mental health specific issues around depression and and suicide. What you've done is incredible. You should be so proud of yourself. And I know here in the Riverina, we're such a strong footy community and sporting community. So if you were to give one point of advice to the young athletes out there, through your experience, what would that be? Oh, look, I'm no different to most advocates in mental health that have been through this experience. I look back at my journey and there were so many different opportunities that I had to, to reach out and get some help. Um, I, had, I had good people around me, so family and people like that. And um, I just wish I had taken the time early enough to identify myself that, hey, it's okay to, to not feel okay. And uh, reaching out and getting help early is, is the real, um, you know, the real sustainable change. And it, it is it is doable. Um, you know, we, we can integrate a mental health illness into our lives. So don't feel like that it's overwhelming. It, it's something that we can incorporate into our lives. And there is hope. Uh, there are many people outside of me that live in our community that are going through it, you're certainly not alone and the earlier you can speak up and get some help, the, the better it's going to be for you in the short term but obviously in the long term as well. So we can't encourage that enough um, to utilise your current networks. If anyone is struggling, they can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 but Jake, you should be so yeah. proud of how far you come and I have no doubt that you have touched lives and even saved lives across the country. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us this morning. Thanks Herbie and well done to the area in supporting the RUAK Day Foundation the great people. Herbie and Dane the Riverinas hit 93.1. And we are supporting the RUOK AFL round and there is a local non-profit organisation that you may have heard about, Good Talk, and one of the founders, Fran Reid, joins me this morning. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Herbie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Now, Fran, for those people who don't know, can you let us know about Good Talk and how it came about? Yeah, sure. So Good Talk came about um, our family and a few friends wanted to um, have a local... Um, charity that we could raise funds for bipolar. Um, unfortunately, it comes from um, losing my brother at the end of um, 2016 to suicide. Um, he had a really long struggle with um, his mental illness, which was um, bipolar. So we thought um, we all wanted to get around and, and be together. And we thought, what better way to try and raise funds to research to, you know, get to the grassroots of what we can do at early intervention. 
And you have done such an amazing job with that, with Good Talk. And I know a lot of people have been involved in creating this organisation, but especially to get through these tough times because you'd never wish it upon anyone and you don't know how to go through it until you're going through it. And I know a massive support for you has been the Mara Football Club. How have they been over the last couple of years? Uh, I honestly, anyone that knows me knows I cannot speak highly enough of the Mara Footy Club. Uh, we're so for- fortunate to be a part of their club for many years, but also still have them in our lives now. Um, they're probably one of the main reasons my family are, are seemingly going pretty well. Um, and also one of the um, driving factors for us putting together Good Talk and, and it thriving as well. Um, that club has been made of, you know, almost family members to us and, and great mates of Graham's and all of ours. So, um, yeah, we'll be forever grateful to them. Yeah. And so people who knew your brother, Reedy, he was yep. a larrikin. Everyone loved him. For you, you knew he was going through struggles. How was that during that period? And why didn't you think he didn't speak up to those outside of the family? Yep, so we knew for a very long time. Um, and at home, he was a completely different person to what all his friends um, know of him. Um, he was really uh, down and wouldn't get off the lounge. And, you know, and he would hate that we we're talking about it now. <laughs> but, um, but to his friends, he was this out going amazing fun party life of the party type of person um he was petrified that one of his friends would find out that he was struggling and i think it it comes back to um the the stigma surrounding mental health um he didn't want to be looked at differently than any of his other mates and um and he just wanted to be what he in his words normal um i guess because his struggles overtook him so much you know when he was at home he was so exhausted from being this person and so we uh, speaking about today are you okay and we often go on that we need to ask people are you okay and there is this idea when you do that people can get a bit scared because the response can be no I'm not if you were to get that response which you have in your life how what's your the advice you give to respond to that yep so um I think the best advice I would give first of all if you are noticing the differences in your friends or family um work colleagues to um Get a little bit of knowledge beforehand. Go. Um, there's so many useful resources at the moment um, online, like um, a place Conversation Matters and Are You Okay themselves online. Um, to okay, if someone says no, what am I going to say next? Okay, well then a next important part and it'll tell you this on the resources is to listen without judgment um, and to really actively listen um, no comparisons and th- and then based on what they're telling you to follow up or also get them to reach out to the next place if you need to refer them on to um, a health specialist because yeah we're I mean we're not trained in that sort no. of thing so yeah uh, and I think that's most of our fears that we're going to do more damage but the initial conversations will be like a normal conversation with your mate and so if what's next for good talk then and you guys going forward yep um so next for us um uh, we have just been down to sydney last week um to find out where the research and our money is up to and there's fantastic news there which will be posted up on our facebook page later and then later on in the year in october we're going to have our next charity event which will be a golf day um and yeah uh, one great thing about good talk is all money um goes to the research so um 
yeah, it's really exciting, but everyone just seems to get around each other and have a great day. <laughs> it definitely seems like that because Mara is a lot part of yeah. the talk and you guys seem to have yep. so much fun and people can follow you if they just go to your Facebook page is the best way to do it. Yes, it is. Yep. And I wanted to point out, you did say that, Reedy, he'd be embarrassed this morning of you speaking up, but you mm-hmm. should be so proud because it's people like you who are changing lives of many. You may not think that you're doing much, but no doubt by speaking up, you are touching the lives of hundreds out there. So you should be really proud of yourself. And I know he's embarrassed, but <laughs> he would be very proud of you as well. So Fran, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much, Herbie. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And I think it's fantastic for our community. Yeah. And if anyone is struggling, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Herbie and Dane, the Riverinas hit 93.1. Are you okay? Is an Australian campaign all about suicide prevention, which works towards breaking the stigma around mental health. And this weekend, it is Are You OK AFL round with clubs across New South Wales and ACT supporting the cause. And the CEO, Catherine Newton, joins me. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, Catherine, Are You OK was a message which was created in 2009 and it has now turned into a campaign which works to try and connect the world and protect everyone from suicide. How has it changed and developed over the last 10 years? Significantly, you're right that 10 years ago, um, our late founder, Gavin Larkin, um, decided to create a, a simple question, that being, are you okay, as a conversation starter. And sadly, Gavin's father took his own life and Gavin wanted to help prevent other families going through what his did. Um, of course, everybody now knows, well, the majority of Australians know the question and we know that people are asking the question. But what we're seeing now is that people, um, pleasingly, want to know more and want to feel more confident in knowing how to navigate the conversation when someone says, no, I'm not okay. And so the statistics around suicide are quite alarming. So on average, around eight people die by suicide in Australia every day. And then for every death, 30 people will attempt to take their life. And your message has been so powerful over the 10 years. How do you guys go about trying to reduce those statistics? It's all about obviously creating awareness, but it's also around storytelling. So what we always do at Are You OK is to make sure that our message is hopeful and that it is about prevention. Asking Are You OK doesn't have to be at the crisis point. It doesn't have to be when someone's suicidal. It can absolutely be when we're trying to stop small things becoming big things. It's about looking out for those in your world. When your relationships are strong, you're more inclined to notice the change in someone's behaviour. And so when we notice those signs, what we really want people to do is just trust that gut instinct. If you know your friend, your family, your colleague well, you know their, their behaviours, you know their routines, if something in your gut is telling you that something's not quite, not quite right, have the confidence to really meaningfully reach out and ask them, hey, I'm worried about you. Is everything okay? Is there anything I can do to help? And Catherine, we've got the AFL Are You OK round this weekend. There seems to be, and it's sad that it is still this day, a stigma around men speaking up about their mental health, especially professional athletes. What does it mean to you to have such a big organisation like AFL jump on board with you? It means an incredible amount to us because it shows the genuine nature of the commitment behind suicide prevention and also to look out for your mates. You don't have to be on the same side to look out for your mates, but what we're trying to do is encourage teammates, coaches, staff, volunteers, anyone who's involved in that club to create a culture of connection, to create a culture where people feel that they belong, that they can let someone know if they're not feeling okay. And if we can create that culture in clubs um, across the leagues throughout the year, then we can try to help people 
have the confidence to reach out and have people honestly answer, you know what, no, I'm not okay, you've spotted it, and I do need some help right now. What we know is that we want clubs to be actively creating this culture rather than having an are you okay round when someone sadly passes away. So it is about prevention, it's about looking to the future. And you would have seen and met with a lot of people over your journey. Why do you think there is still such a stigma around men speaking up about their mental health? culture um, that we've you know that, that many men have grown up in it's very much around kind of toughen up and you know sh- she'll be right and you know it's not um it's not very masculine to be able to speak up and say that men're not okay and it's you know sometimes it's a sign of weakness or shame and so that's what we're desperately trying to change and I think that we're definitely seeing that conversation shift we're seeing that people are understanding that we all go through ups and downs some of us live with mental illness some of them live with more life challenges than the others but it's about someone standing next to it to say I'm here with you and I'm going to be here with you for however long it takes for this challenge to um, to get better for you. And so what exactly will be happening this weekend with Are You OK and the AFL round? So we've got the 14 leagues simultaneously hosting an Are You OK round. So there'll be lots of opportunities for people to have a conversation. We've got jerseys, we've got players in wristbands and socks all around the club um, and all the staff. So it's not only the playing team, it's also the other staff involved. It's very important that we have all the roles within the clubs involved. And it's about looking out for one another on and off the field. Catherine, if anyone wants more information on Are You OK or the AFL round happening this weekend, where can they go? They can go to areyouok.org.au. Perfect. Well, Catherine Newton, you're the CEO of Are You OK? Thank you for your time this morning. Thanks very much. Herbie and Dane, the Riverinas, Hit 93.1. This hour, I have tried to bring awareness to the AFL's Are You OK? round, which is on this weekend. It is something we need to speak about. We need to break the stigma around mental health because the statistics around it are alarming, especially when it comes to the statistics around suicide. On average, eight people die by suicide in Australia every day. For every death 30 people will attempt to take their life and this scared me when I read this 89% of people report they know someone who has attempted it 89% of people and it is a disease that you think most people are untouchable from you don't think it's going to touch you until it's too late and that's exactly what happened in my position I was supposed to finish school it's supposed to be one of the most memorable days of your life for all the best reasons mine now is for all the worst reasons because a close friend he could take the pressure anymore. We don't exactly know what happened on the last day of my schooling year, but we do know that now Elliot is not with us and that pain will forever be with you. But I think the pain of knowing that a close friend was going through something that they didn't think they had another option for is so much more. And you think maybe it will happen once and it won't happen again. But then last week I received the news early last week that again, another close friend that I grew up with, he's the exact same age as me. He too lost his battle with mental illness and you get emotional speaking about it because you don't really tend to open up and speak about it it's something that you hear about you're upset in your own time and then when you relive it in your head like I'm doing now I got the news last week it it, it is a lot so I hope that this hour has brought awareness to this disease and more so to everything that goes around mental health because we need to change it especially people who think it won't affect them it can affect you you never know what someone else is going through and you can never assume that's why three little words can honestly save someone's life just ask them are you okay keep being persistent with that message because as i said 
You don't know when it could be someone's last day and we want to stop those numbers. We want to reduce the statistics. We want to completely abolish those statistics. So if anyone is struggling out there, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. And if you have got a friend that maybe you are a little concerned for, just ask them, are you okay? And we can get through this together. Herbie and Dane, the Riverinas hit 93.1.